0: Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. We that today now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Patty is back, everybody, and all the planets are in alignment. Don't I look happier, everyone? You know, and uh, Patty is uh, starting a life group this Tuesday, right? She's starting a life group this Tuesday here at the church, and um, and and it's on love languages. And now, if you're like so many of us when we started out, if you were the same way, we had no clue early in our marriage what love languages were. Anybody can relate to that. And how many? probably still can relate but you don't have to raise your hand. We had no clue that there was different languages or different love languages for one another. So, I uh, my love language is I I just crave words of affirmation. If you've heard anything about my childhood and my background, it's like I was starving for that. So, so but I how many know we will give the thing that we need without recognizing it, right? So, we first got married and I would try to compliment her and 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 I would tell her how awesome she was and uh, some other things that's none of your business, all right, And, and, and so I would just compliment her all the time, and it just felt like to me it would go in one ear and out the other, and it started kind of grinding on me a little bit, kind of irritating me because I was convinced, well, she just must not love me. I'm complimenting her, and she's like, oh, thank you. And then we'd go about her business. I'm like, what? She just must not love me. But while I was thinking that, she would serve me so much that it was un- uncomfortable. Like I'd be out mowing the yard, and she'd come walking out with a glass of lemonade that she grew the lemon tree and... <laughs> And squeeze the limb. I mean, like here you go, honey. I'm like, well, she must love me, you know. She would bring me lunch outside when I'm working, and and she would bring me lunch, and so I would compliment her and say, "Woo, thanks, babe. You're so hot." And she'd say, "Thank you very much," and she'd go do something else. Um, she must not love me, and, but she's always asking. She, and, and to this day, we've been married 35 years. Do you need anything? Do you need anything? Can I do anything for you? And, and it used to, I know this is going to sound crazy, but it used to, like, drive me nuts. Like, no, I'm good. Just leave me alone kind of thing. I don't do that anymore. I've been saved. All right, everybody? <laughs> But to this day, I mean, we could go to company's house and like for dinner or something, and she'll make my plate, and here's your plate. And I guess she got that from her mom. And uh, I never had nobody make a plate for me in my whole life. I'm like, what are you doing? You know? Now, in life and in marriage, we give the thing that we need. Have you noticed this about yourself? We give the thing that we need. And so I, de- I desperately wanted compliments or I needed validation or words of encouragement. I was starving to be recognized or to be validated so I would give the very thing that I was hungry for. Now, here's the point. When you learn each other's love languages, then you learn to love each other the way that they need to be loved. You say, I didn't know I was coming to a marriage message. You're not. That was just my setup, all right, everyone? So now, when we, when we learn each other's love languages, I, I'll still compliment her, but she, she likes acts of service, so I learned that, so now I work really hard to serve her. As a matter of fact, I try to time it. I can hear her waking up in the morning. I get up super early. She gets up early, but I get up most of the time at an ungodly hour. And uh, when I hear her stirring, I hear her yawning, I click on the teapot because I know she likes tea first thing in the morning. And everybody said, yeah, I didn't hear any men in that. Anyway, all right. Men are like this makes me sick. All right, okay, and, and and so and and one of the other things I do is I'll, I'll unload the dishwasher, and and she always makes dinner. She's a great cook, and we don't want me to cook, and so the the kind of the unspoken deal is she cooks and I wash all the dishes. I'm I'm trying to serve her, and 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 we stumbled on this before we knew about love languages. One morning, I don't even know if I was frustrated or whatever, but I was unloading the dishwasher because we run it at nighttime, and I was unloading the dishwasher and she came stumbling in the kitchen and she said, hey babe, do you know how hot you are when you unload the dishwasher? That was like throwing me a Scooby snack. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm now I like spin the plates. Watch this. Wow. Woo. Look at it. I run the dishwasher four or five times a day. I mean, I, I, I just like as many times as I can unload it. But watch this. Here's one of the things I learned in marriage. And you don't have to be married to get this principle. But if you want a healthy life-giving relationship watch this with all the benefits come on now I need to love her the way that she needs and wants to be loved Mm. and let me tell you something about this girl that you don't know she has preferences I just want you to know she has preferences about different things. We we all have, uh, don't look at me like that cuz you have preferences too, right? She has preferences in my job as her husband. I want to figure out what those preferences are so I can love her the way that she needs to be loved and I end up getting some of the benefits of that. And but here's the thing, I have preferences also. And does anybody in here have weird preferences? Like I, like when she makes my sandwich, I don't like the mayonnaise put on the cheese because then the cheese slides around. I got preferences, everybody. <laughs> Come on now. You got some weird ones too, okay? And, and, and she has preferences, and I'm trying to, I'm still looking for her preferences, and they change a little bit as ages and stages change. And, and I have preferences too. Again, this message isn't about marriage, so let's drop the other shoe. God has preferences, and I think maybe we've forgotten that not only does God have preferences, but God has a love language, and and if I really want a relationship with him, no, 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 let me say that different, if I want a life-giving relationship with him and all the benefits that come Come on, David said, forget not thy benefits. If I want a life-giving relationship with God and all the benefits that come with a life-giving relationship with God, then I should pursue God, not just expect him to pursue me, and I should pursue God in such a way, come on now, that I'm learning his preferences and his love languages and learning how to unload the dishwasher for my father. Come on, can I get an amen on that, right? Right, everyone? And so relationships, they take work. How many of you know this? Come on, where's my married folks in the room? Let's start over. Let's say that again and be honest. Relationships take work. Yeah, the ladies are like, yeah, preach that. Guys are afraid to say anything. I heard one man say amen. But relationships take work. Now let's put that back on our Father, our Heavenly Father. Relationships take work. And I think that's why so many people would rather have religion than relationship. See, they would rather have a list of do these things and don't do these things, but it's hard to pursue and understand preferences and love languages when it's easy. Just tell me the things. But how many know I can unload the dishwasher as a task, but it not come from my heart, and it changes the whole purpose of it? Mm. and we can come to church and we can sing songs and we can read scriptures and we can and, and we can preach sermons but if it isn't his pre if it's not his love language if it's not coming from the heart then all this religious stuff we do is just an exercise in futility how many know what i'm saying right it, it doesn't have the heart involved and and i promised when we got married i promised that that i would love her and so in loving her i've realized i've had to die to self, come on somebody, and, and, and I've had to give my life to her, and, and, and again, it's not about marriage, but I also, once upon a time, I gave my life to God, anybody else in the room give your life to God, mm-hmm. and, and because I gave my life to God, but I have to remember that he also gave his life for me right? And, and, and the way that I have relationship with God is the same way that I have a good relationship with her. It's that I pursue his preferences, I find out his lo- love language, and I unload the dishwasher. After all, unloading the dishwasher for God is the small thing compared to Jesus dying on a cross for me. Amen. Now, now, if you don't get this, I don't want to talk to you like you're dumb. I'm not literally talking about unloading the dishwasher, but what is God's love language? And the Bible says that whatever I'm doing for God, it becomes my reasonable service. Like like I'm I'm gonna bust some bubbles right here just a minute. But but God's not in heaven going, wahoo, you showed up today. No, that's our reasonable service. Like some of us want a gold star because we sang. Some of us want a gold star because we showed up. And some of you deserve a gold star because you showed up. Because some people had to fight every devil in hell just to show up. But it's our reasonable service. Coming to a night of worship to honor him, to pray, to receive communion, that's just our reasonable service. Me unloading the dishwasher is not like, wow, you're the greatest husband in the world. No. It's just my reasonable service in a life-giving relationship. Are you guys with me today? Some of you look like you're in shock. What's going on? Let me read some scripture to you. That'll help you. Romans says it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. I, I like, I memorized this verse when I was a kid in the King James Version. Anybody remember those old days, the King James Version? And the last line says, it's your, it, all of this is your reasonable service. That's how the King James says it. He says it's just your reasonable service. So, what I want to do is, I just want to kind of whet your appetite a little bit, and I want to look at some of God's preferences. Because if we're going to have a life giving relationship with God, come on, everybody, it can't be one sided. It can't be loving Him the way you want to, when you want to, and when it's convenient. We have to pursue some preferences. Some of you didn't buckle up your seatbelt. I warned you before we got into this, all right? So, so let's look at some preferences. Let me read a verse to you that just seems like a random verse, but I think it'll make some sense. So watch this. Psalms 141, it just seems like this arbitrary random verse, but it really ties into some significance that has to do with some New Testament principles about the preferences of, or the love languages of God. It says, May my prayers be set before you like incense, Now, that's a key word. I'm going to unpack this. Watch what he says. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. What? You mean, God, you just want me to lift my hands and that would be like incense? That would be like a sacrifice to you? So let me unpack this a little bit. First of all, Uh, On the night of prayer, uh, which is next Sunday night, I'm going to teach what's called the tabernacle prayer. So I'll be teaching a little bit about the tabernacle, and you can come, and I'll teach a little of that before we pray. Uh, But in the tabernacle, there's pieces of furniture and all of them represent something that has to do with our journey of worship. And right before you get to, for those of you that don't know, this was the tent, this was the church, this is where they met with God. And in this whole uh, tent or tabernacle, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was and that's what was symbolic of the presence of God, but it was behind this curtain and nobody could go behind the curtain except a priest, a priest was the only one, but there were other spiritual activities in the rest of the tabernacle that us commoners were able to do, okay? And so the table of incense was a table right outside of the holy of holies, where they would send up incense in the morning and in the evening to God. It was a it was a form of praise. In fact, if you've been around church, you've heard, "Let our praise be a sweet smell." Right Have you ever heard that, or uh, if you've been around church, you've heard some terminology like that? Well, this is where it comes from. L- let the incense be a sweet. It- it's-, it's like a sacrifice. It's a form of worship unto, the, uh, unto God. And so here's the background. David wrote this psalm, but he wrote this psalm when he was in hiding. And so David couldn't be at the tabernacle, so David couldn't light an incense, so David couldn't offer up praise to the God or to God. And so David is saying here, hey, God, I can't light an incense and and lift it up to you. So today I'm going to lift my hands to you in a form of praise to you. Wow. So that's what's going on there. Sometimes during worship you'll see people with their hands in the air. It's just a way of saying, I worship you, God. I'm honoring you, God. And and, and here's the thing. Even if David could have gone to the tabernacle, he couldn't go to the tabernacle because he was in hiding from Saul but he still wanted to honor and worship God. All right, so even if he could go to the tabernacle, he would not be allowed to go into the presence of God. He wouldn't be allowed to go into the holy of holies because he wasn't a priest, he was a king, and only priests were allowed into the presence of God. So in essence, David is saying, I can't be there, so I'm going to lift my hands. Now, here's what I want you to hear. In this, we get a clue of the preferences of God. And somehow, I don't understand why unloading the dishwasher is the magic ticket. I don't understand it. Neither do I understand how raising my hands to God is part of his love language. Neither do I understand how raising my hands to God is part of his preferences. You see, praise always, watch this, praise always involves our hands. Come on, have you ever applauded? yeah whether the praise is to God or to the Seahawks, praise always involves our hands. Come on, everybody. have you ever cheered when they did good yeah and and at, at the end of a game and they score the winning touchdown, and what do you do? Hands straight shoot up in the air, right everybody and so i don't understand why hands are a part of praise. Neither do I understand why unloading the dishwasher is a part of her love language, but it is. And it's not my job to understand why, it's my, under, it's my job to do the thing that brings life to the relationship so I can receive the benefits from it. Can I get an amen? See, the bottom line is I love God. Remember the hands. Remember the hands. I love God, and I want a vibrant, life-giving relationship with him, not just when I'm in a crisis, not just when hell is against me, not not when just something bad goes. I want a life-giving, vibrant, one-on-one, intimate, walk-with-me, talk-with-me relationship with God. Does anybody else? Now, let me shift gears a little bit. The book of Hebrews is an interesting book. One of these years, I'm going to bring it to you. Uh, But the book of Hebrews, uh, we don't know its author for sure, there's some speculation, but the book of Hebrews in the New Testament was written to the Jewish Christians. Okay, so there's these Jewish people that got saved outside the Gentile nation, and so these Jewish people they're 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 stumbling trying to find this new way to worship God because remember their legacy is the tabernacle, uh, uh, the 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 priest, uh, 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 it, it's offering sacrifices, it's all of those things. And so this whole new way of following Jesus is new and so the book of Hebrews is written because they're ready to bail on Christianity. They're ready to bail on this Jesus message. Watch this because they don't have all the stuff. They don't they don't have all the props. They they don't have all the things they're used to seeing in church. So it just doesn't feel right. It feels foreign. Like, man, we're supposed to go to the altar of incense and offer up it, and we're supposed to bring a sacrifice, and the priest is supposed to bring it in. And and so the Jewish Christians are ready to give up on this new message of Jesus because they don't have all the stuff, the furniture and all that. They don't have a priesthood. But the writer of Hebrews is taking this Psalms 141 verse out of the Old Testament and using it as a precedent and telling them that the Old Covenant is gone and they now have a better covenant. And he begins to show them how in the New Testament we still offer the incense. Are you guys with me? I knew this was going to be a little teaching heavy today, but hang with me. So watch this. Hebrews chapter number 13, here's what it says. Through, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice. of Wait, wait, wait. I don't understand that. The Old Testament, the priest was offering sacrifices of praise and incense, but we're in the New Testament now, and we don't do that. So the writer of Hebrews says, hey, Jewish Christians, it's okay. Yes, you still have to offer sacrifice of praise. The good news is you don't have to go to the tabernacle and start a fire to do that. He says, I want you see the word. I should have highlighted the word continually. In other words, I know the old is gone and the new is here and you're under a new covenant, but God still is expecting a sacrifice of praise. I'm still expecting some incense to be brought up to me. Mm -hmm. Watch this, watch this. And the fruit of the lips that openly profess his name. That's what we did just now before we started the service. We began to sing, this is the house of miracles. How great is your name, God? So our, our lips were offering up a praise for most of us. I tried to slip that one in there. All right. And, 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 and watch this. But then it says something else. This is so powerful. I don't want you to miss this. So the first part, he said, yeah, you still have to offer up praise, and, and the praise is to God. But watch verse number 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's one thing to come to church and praise God. It's another to have to treat people nice on Monday. But the writer of Hebrews is saying these are both sacrifices to God. The way you honor God and the way you honor others is your sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing that today? Watch this. He says, yeah, sing the songs. Give them praise. Lift your hands. Be involved in in the, the, the words, the singing. But don't forget to do good and to share with others. For such sacrifice, God is pleased. Come on, are you hearing that verse right there? For with such sacrifice... God is pleased. Okay, maybe you don't know the definition of sacrifice. Check this out. Sacrifice is to give something, or it's to surrender something. So here's a question. Don't answer out loud. What are you giving to God? What are you surrendering to God? Oh, let's do the rest of the verse. What are you giving to others? You know, it doesn't cost anything to give somebody a word of encouragement. It doesn't cost another thing to say, man, I'm so happy that you are here today. It doesn't take one bit of money to say, I'm so glad you're here today. Would you sit with us? Would, would you go to lunch with us? Would, would you hang out with us? Would you come to my life group? I'm so fired up that you're here. There's just something about your presence. It doesn't cost anything to honor other people except a little time. Come on now. I don't understand why the writer of Psalms says lifting up my hands is a sacrifice to pray. Lifting up my hands is like unloading the dishwasher. It's pleasing to God. Now, God likes sacrifice. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not in the Old Testament anymore, and we no longer have to give blood sacrifices. We, 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 nothing else has to die. Jesus died once. We don't have to offer up sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. But we still have to offer up sacrifices. We don't have to offer up sacrifices for the forgiveness of our sins. But this writer of Hebrews just said, but continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. So so what is Peter talking about then when he writes? Peter jumps in on the same thing, and he's an old Jewish boy. He says, you also... Watch this, I, wanted, I, want to, I want you to understand this verse because we have to shift our mindset from this idea that we come to church to that we are the church. So we no longer come to a tabernacle and start a fire and lift up sacrifice. We are the tabernacle and we are the living stones called the church that offer up a sacrifice of praise. If you're in the church and you're saved, you're, you're a living stone. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, you're a rolling stone, all right? I mean, I don't know. Okay. Papa was... I'm sorry. All right. So, So you also like living stones. This is what changes the idea. The church is not this building. This building is wood. It's dead trees, everybody. Okay? But the church is the living stones. We are the church. We're, we're the church. Watch. You also are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. Watch this. This is so huge. To be a holy priesthood. Wait a minute. Didn't we get rid of priesthood in the Old Testament? We don't, we don't need them anymore because now we all have access to Jesus. No, you're a living stones. And now instead of one priest, we're all priests in the New Testament. Hold on, I'm going to connect the dots. Here we go. Offering, What? wait, wait, what? What is your job as a priesthood? Offering spiritual sacrifices. What kind of sacrifices? Oh, any old sacrifice. If I make it today, I make it today. If I don't, I don't. If I sing today, I do. If I don't, I don't. If I honor Him, I do. If I have time, I will. No, 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 not just any sacrifice. I used to give her compliments like crazy, but it wasn't her love language. When I started unloading the dishwasher and dying to what I thought, to what she wanted, come on, all of a sudden our marriage came alive. So it's not just any old sacrifice. It's spiritual sacrifice that the living stones called the church, called the royal priesthood, are offering up to God. You guys with me? You're thinking, aren't you? You're thinking. Watch this. Offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God Uh uh-huh through Jesus Christ now let's unpack this a little bit um um, it, uh, already, uh in the New Testament, we all now have access to the Father. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible said when he died, it gave us access to the Father. And the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, was ripped in half, symbolizing that we all now have access into the presence of God. Isn't that great? So here's what that means. You don't have to go to a priest anymore. You don't have to go to a Father to get to God. You have direct access anywhere Anytime. Hey God, and He's right there. He's as close as the mention of His name. You can talk to Him any way, any time, anyhow, any language. Come on. There is no barriers because the curtain has been rent, and you don't have to depend on a pastor, a church, a father, a priest, or anybody. Isn't that good news? You have access to the Father. So so you have access to the Father. And and, and so Um, and since we have access to the Father, which that shows us is no longer does one priest get access to the Father, watch this, but all of us are royal priesthood and all of us have access to the Father And, um, and our job as a priest then is to offer up a sacrifice that is acceptable to God, just like the Old Testament priest had to offer up a sacrifice. It's the act of service. Like raising our hands and unloading the dishwasher. Let me tell you, let me me back up because I'm getting too theological on you. So let me tell you something that some of you can relate to. I'll I'll tell you something about my problem with marriage. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Oh, I can relate to that. That's a good one. All right. My problem with marriage was that I thought it was all about me. I I know nobody else thought that, but I'm still a recovering jerk. All When I got married, I I would have never said this, but in my brain, I thought it was all about me. I I thought it was all about, whoo, she's good for me. I've met my soulmate. She's going to help me along. Those are the subconscious thoughts, that it's good for me. And so because I I thought that and because I entered marriage selfishly, I was loving her when I wanted to. I was loving her how I wanted to. Not unloading the dishwasher, not acts of service. I was loving her in my own time and in my own language. (sighs) Let me say it another way that we can relate to as Americans. I was a consumer. It was all about me. I had to win the argument. I had to be... You guys hear what I'm saying? You're afraid to say amen, aren't you? I, I get it, all right? But let me make let me make a powerful statement here, and, and you'll see where I'm going with it. You'll read between the lines. I was a consumer early in the marriage, and it wasn't until I learned it wasn't about me, but it was about we, and it wasn't until I learned how to sacrifice and die to me that I understand the joy of marriage. Now, I've said this before, and I've told you lots of things I goofed up on. But 35 years and I have the greatest marriage a man could ever hope for. But it, watch this. It started with me realizing, wait a minute, this isn't about me. This is about we. And I gotta learn her language and love her the way she needs to be loved. Now say, Ken, what does that have to do with this message? Here it is. The problem with today's church is we think that it's all about me. That's the problem with America's church. We've become a bunch of consumers that think it's all about us, and we've forgotten that there's a God in heaven who has some preferences, and he likes the dishwasher unloaded. Can I get an amen, somebody? Right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, it's almost like, I, I, I know none of you do this, because this is the greatest church in the world, but for all those that are going to watch this lesson on, uh, later online, okay, it's like we go to church, like, and when we're done with church, it's like we give a Yelp review. Well, I'm not sure I like that song. I'll give it a two-star, right? It's like, who cares? Well, you know, he was too mean. He yelled at veins popping out of the side of his head, and I just, I don't know if I like that kind of stuff. But check this out. 1 Peter chapter number two, verse number nine brings us right back. Jewish Christians, Hebrew. It brings us right back. Watch this. He says, "But you are a chosen people. We're not here for. It's not all about us. You are a chosen people. Watch this. A royal priesthood. That's what the Christians are. If you're saved, you're a living stone. You're a royal priesthood. Come on. I'm still going to connect some dots right there. So in other words, I'm not a consumer. I'm a royal priesthood that has access into the presence of God to offer sacrifices of praise that in the Old Testament they didn't have the right to do. But because of Jesus, I have the right to do that. I'm a royal priesthood. Watch this. I'm a holy nation. God's special possession. The King James says you're a peculiar people. I agree with that one. All right. Watch this, why are you a royal priesthood? Here it is, watch this, that you may declare, what? The praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Come on, are you hearing that today? Come on! Was anybody here in darkness before you came into light? Uh, anybody's dark a little darker than you, you know than you care to admit. The, the reason we celebrated of 50 people coming out of the waters of baptism last week, and I told you make sure you praise, make sure you cheer, make sure come on. And 50 people, and you stood around here and cheered. Why? Because we're celebrating that we're royal priests, uh, and we're offering sacrifice of praise to our God because He pulled them out of darkness. And in to his wonderful light. Come on now. Come on, put your hands together. Yeah. Okay, you want to go a little deeper? Come on, here comes the second cut. You ready? Let's go a little deeper. Now, in the Old Testament, the royal priest had two jobs. That's all he had. If you study the priest and his responsibilities in the tabernacle, he had two jobs. Here they are. Number one, he was to minister to the Lord. hmm Number two, he was to minister to others. That's the only two jobs he had. I'm here to serve you, to help you get closer to God, to help you journey through the tabernacle and do all the spiritual things. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? So, but, and I'm here to honor God because I'm going to go into the Holy of Holies and honor him with the sacrifice. But it, as I'm honoring him, I'm also going to minister to all the people. Mm. Now, we've already established it. Are you guys tracking with me? You already know where I'm going now, don't you? Come on. Yeah. Now we are all priests, and we are all living stones in the house of the Lord. And we, just like the Old Testament, we don't offer sacrifice for forgiveness, but we are still a royal priesthood, and we still have two jobs. If you're not a Christian in the building, ignore me right now. You don't have a single job but to sit here and consume. God bless you. But if you're saved and you're a royal priesthood, then you, like the Old Testament, we have two jobs. And I just told you what the two jobs were. To minister to the Lord, come on, and to minister to others. Let me say it again. To minister to the Lord and to minister to others. Doesn't that take away the Yelp reviews, everybody? Because I'm not here to give a review. I'm not here first to consume. I've already consumed salvation. I've already consumed grace. Now I'm here as a royal priest, a a living stone, to minister to the Lord and to minister to others. Can I get an amen in the house? In fact... In fact, they, they, they already bunched, beat me to it. But watch this. If you're saved, okay, first of all, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Okay, or say something. Just make a noise. Are you saved out there? Okay. Okay, so if you're saved, you're a royal priesthood. All right, I want you to see that. And you have a job to do. Put that next one on there. And you are a royal priesthood, and you have a job to do, not A service to consume. I bet you there'll be four people in church next Sunday after this message. See, we've shifted church way too bad. It's why so many churches closed during the pandemic. Because we started thinking, wait a minute, this is all about me, and I don't need that anymore. Yeah, but somebody needs you here, and God wants you here. Because you're living stones. Well, I can get it online. I know. God bless you online. The love that you're watching online. Hallelujah. We got about 100 of you every week watching online. God bless you. We're glad. It's the doorway. But I'm going to tell you that content consumption can never replace the life of community. It can't. It cannot. If you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. Man, there's just something going on in the room. i got to be in the room where it's happening. Come on. I mean, it's happening in the room. And if content could change our lives, then we would all be better right now because content is everywhere, but community is nowhere. Hmm. That was good. I hope I can remember that in the second service. All right, let me give you one more thing. I'm, you know I'm not mad, right? I'm just passionate, so calm down. You don't attend church. You attend football games. You you don't attend church. You are the church. You're the living stones of the church. So then why do we get together in a building? I'll tell you why. To minister to the Lord and to minister to one another. And if we don't come to a place, then it's harder to minister to one another. Come on now. And and it's like, okay, I'm going to say something. Everybody say, he doesn't mean this is the way it's going to come out. Okay, tell yourself that right now. It's not as going to, he doesn't mean it as harsh as it comes out. I practice this a hundred ways, and it sounds mean every time, but I've elected to say it anyway. All right? You attend football games. You don't attend church. So watch this. (sighs) Who cares if you like the music or not? It's not your party. It's his party. Come on, somebody, please. It's not your party. It's his party. And if your heart is right, you can worship God to kumbaya. Come on, are you hearing what? That's like, I had a birthday this week. That would be like you coming to my birthday party, me opening a present and getting a shirt. And By the way, I got this shirt. You guys like it? Ta-da. Okay. All right, that's like me opening a package and get a shirt, and and you sitting across the room going, I don't like that. That's not my style. I wouldn't wear that if I was you. Who cares? It's not your shirt, and it's not your party. (laughs) Patty and I, in the early 90s, we went to Russia and preached and at that time I think it might have been the biggest crowd I ever preached to and so I show up in Russia the walls of communism had just come down I'm telling this story to help you understand it's not about our preferences it's about his preferences everybody and he does. We get hung up on style. God's not hung up on style. Now I'm saying all this to be a little funny, just to make a point. And I understand you got to go somewhere that's your language. I get it. I understand. Like you know, if they were doing rap music here, I'd probably you know maybe choose something to worship by myself with. Okay, I get it. I understand. But the point is, it's still not about us. It's about Him. It's about honoring Him. Remember, it's about unloading the dishwasher, everybody. And, and so we were in Russia. And, um, and, and they were introducing me, and I was getting up to talk to people literally that had never heard the gospel message. Never. They had been under communism. So I'm getting ready to go up, and, and the, the missionary told me, he said, hey, Now, Ken, there's we have a special number. We have a girls' choir, an all-girls' choir, that's going to sing a song that they've worked really hard, and they've learned it in English to sing before you go preach. So we're going to introduce you. They're going to sing. You're going to walk out on stage with your interpreter and go for it. I'm like, okay. Now, I'm expecting when the choir comes marching out, they come out, and I'm expecting they're going to sing, Then sings my soul, my saint. I mean, right? They learned it in English. They come trampling out on the stage, and they got got miniskirts on. they got halter tops on. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, what am I... But they had looked at all the American magazines and wanted to dress like the Americans, and they got up to sing. And I was expecting one of the good old church hymns, because I'm going to preach after, and the presence of God is going to be there. And they began to sing good old Saint Frank Sinatra, Strangers in the Night, in church before I'm going to preach to over 3,000 people that have never heard the gospel, in miniskirts, mind you. And I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do with this? And I watched them sing, strangers in the night. And all of a sudden, I seen their hearts. Their hands were up. Tears were coming down. They, they didn't know what they were singing, but they knew who they were singing to. Uh, And I have to wonder sometimes if some Russian girls singing Strangers and Zenith weren't giving more sacrifice of praise to the Lord than churchgoers do every Sunday when they come to a church where the praise is not their preference and forget that the preference, it's not your party, it's his party and he's looking for a heart of worship. Can I get an amen out of that? All right. Let me take this just a little bit deeper, and i got to let you go. Now, we say this around here all the time, and you cheer about it, but you might not like this statement after you hear this. Order determines outcome, right? We preach that all the time. We just got done doing it in Next Step. So watch this. So let me give you this real quick. We're going to come back to it in the book of Ephesians study when we get later down into some of the chapters. But watch this. Here's what the church exists to do, because some of us don't know this. The church, I'm going to boil it down to three things the church is supposed to do. Number one, it's supposed to, and I ended last week, message with this number one we're supposed to honor the lord or minister to the lord okay watch how these line up with what a royal priesthood does they're supposed to minister to the lord That, that that that's what the church is supposed to do we're supposed to honor god that would be another way of saying it honor god He's number one. We come here to honor God. That's what a church does. That's what royal priesthood does, all right? Um, And we're supposed to unload the dishwasher, okay? Number two is that we're supposed to equip the saints. That's the second thing we're supposed to do, so that the saints who are living stones are doing the work of building the house of the Lord, that's, that's what that's all about, living stones. And then number three, then we're supposed to reach the world. Now, if you study these real close, you'll see how they work with our four things that we do. Okay? But watch this. Order determines outcome. Churches are so important. If we mess this order up, then the church ceases to be what the church is supposed to be. Let me give you an example. If we decide, now now you guys know me. I'm a soul winner. I want to see the lost saved and those that are far from Jesus to come to Jesus. I'm the guy that's after those that don't know Jesus. I got a gas pump on the stage for crying out loud, okay? Yes, I want to reach people. Yes, I believe that a life-giving church, people ought to be giving their life to Jesus every single Sunday. Yes, I believe that. But notice, it's still number three. It's not number one. If I make reaching the world number one, then I mess the order up. Up, and then I start compromising the gospel just so that I can reach people. And when I do that, I stop honoring God. But my number one job as a priest of God is to honor Him and then honor others. Come on, everybody. Order determines outcome. Right? Okay, I know I got to end. I, I know I got to end. Janessa's on the front row. I got to end. All right, here we go. So let me answer this question real quick Why hands? Why are hands so important? Well, think about your hands. What have you done? Your hands have been used all your life to serve you, to earn your money, to protect yourself. What if God is saying, if you'll offer them to me, I'll earn for you. I'll protect for you. Uh, It's it's an act of surrender. Now, last thing i got to say is this. Watch. We can offer our hands, but if we offer our hands without offering our heart, come on, we're not even given a sacrifice of praise. Last verse, I promise, Psalms 57. Give me Psalms 57. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Watch this. Awake my glory. What that means, I was going to go into a teaching on it, but what it means, my glory, my glory is the best thing I do. So whatever you're real good at, it's saying take that of you and bring it as a heart of sacrifice unto God. My favorite thing that I do, my heart awakes. Can you tell my glory is preaching? I love to teach, right? I hope you can tell that. So, it's my best thing. Watch this. When you bring your glory, God will bring his glory. And his glory always outshines our glory. Amen everybody. Come on. All right. I got I got to end. <laughs> I got to end. But it's our hands And it's our heart. It's unloading the dishwasher. It's remembering, Christians, you're a royal priesthood. We're not here as consumers. We're here to minister to God and minister to others. Watch this, but what about me? When you're ministering to God and you're ministering to others, out of your glory, his glory will come and fill your life also. If you want to take this a step further, I'll teach on this another time. When Elijah was offering a sacrifice of praise on Mount Carmel, God accepted his sacrifice because it was from his heart and his hands, and the fire from heaven came down. When Cain offered his sacrifice, Cain offered a left He offered a praise or a sacrifice in his own language with his leftovers, and God rejected it. What would it look like if the church quit gathering together, when it's convenient, how we want to? Come on. And we gathered together and gave God our very best. I think we would see fire from heaven, and it would truly be a house of miracles. Can I get an amen? Come on now. All right, i got to end.